Slava Jezusu Christu. Please be seated. Today in the Gospel, we read to you the Gospel of the Vineyard. Of course, this uh, Gospel has a very poignant application to the clergy. It also applies to anyone who has responsibility in the church. And you all have responsibility in the church. That's why you were chrismated. And the command was given not to just the priests and the bishops, etc. To all of us, go out and preach the word of gospel to all the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. I just uh, finished reading a book this week about scratches in the sand. It's about the early church and those who died due to persecution, the martyrs for the faith. The interesting thing about this book, at least in my mind, the, the stars or the, the big guns in the book were children. And uh, their faith, and now uh, they died for their faith. Uh, one little boy who was carrying the blessed sacrament to a prisoner. And uh, they found out that they were, he was a Christian. And uh, he managed to get to the prison and give the blessed sacrament to the prisoner. And uh, but surely, by the end of the book, Everybody had died, all witnessing by their death their commitment to Christ and the Holy Gospel, and especially the sacramental ministry, mission of the receiving the Eucharist. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. Paul says we should eat the body and blood of the Lord. And think it's 2 Corinthians. This is my body, this is my blood. Jesus also told us this in the Gospels. And this is, in the Gospels, we consider the apostolic tradition. And different authors at different times and redactions but this is the apostolic tradition. And the basis of our faith is the apostolic tradition. The children, they hid the Blessed Sacrament on their person, under their clothes, next to their heart. And they went out to bring it to those who could not sign the Blessed Sacrament anywhere. Because they knew the Atticum, the food for the journey to heaven, is the Blessed Sacrament, Holy Communion. 
And we in the Byzantine Church teach that if you receive the holy gifts and you die, you go straight to heaven. So this last communion you receive is very important. And most of these people that they were taking the Blessed Sacrament to were going to die because there was a great persecution of the Christians. In the Roman Empire, there were ten great persecutions. They were sporadic, but they were treacherous. And some of these little children even died in the circus. They fed them to the wild animals there. I can't imagine what the Romans were like that they were entertained by animals killing children. I can't imagine it. But they died in the arena for their faith in Jesus Christ. They were condemned explicitly because they believed in Jesus Christ. Of course, in the mind of the church, there's no higher gift than to die for Jesus Christ. And some people have sought, sought out such a death. I don't necessarily agree with that. If it comes, fine. If it doesn't, you then a guy died for Christ anyway because, because of original sin, all of us usually die more or less of sickness, and sometimes it's a very painful death. And that is also embracing the cross of Christ. But we pray in all the prayers in the church and the priest prayers that we all have a happy death. What would be a happy death would be that we were sick and there wasn't much hope we knew, but the priest came and brought us the Blessed Sacrament. And with that food, the very presence of Christ within us, body, blood, soul, divinity, we made our last journey to heaven. We don't usually think about ch children uh, thinking about those things. And in the book, they don't talk about it explicitly, but they give their lives for it. They die for it. It's a little book. It's not too big. It's not a scholarly book. It's a novel of the early church, but it was interesting. And they thought things like Caesar was God. He proclaimed himself a God. I think Diocletian did that. That's not accurate in the book. It's a novel. And maybe other emperors did that. There's only one true living God. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's given us all the gifts we need to join him in his kingdom of heaven. And that's our... our to eternal destiny. So I was really impressed with this little book. And I thought today about our neighbors in relationship to that. These little children, uh, they were all surrounded by pagans, people that were not Christians. And they thought the emperor was a god. Sort of ridiculous. In the end of the book, 
the emperor dies, they stab him. Somebody stabs him or something. But also, they did terrible things with the children. And they used to work, they used to go to school, and they didn't have paper because it was too expensive. So they carried a little knife, and they had clay tablets, and they would write on these clay tablets. And this one scene in the book, this man who was enumerated, drunk, he's, the children are walking, this little child is walking, and he sees him, it's late at night. He wonders why he's out so late at night. And he, you know, he pushes him around. And when he pushes him around, he drops a bottle. And in that bottle is the precious blood and a, real, a small piece of the host, the, bread, the consecrated species. And he knew right away, where are you going with that? He didn't want to tell him, but he knew he was a Christian. So there was a big uproar at that point in the city, and they were going to the palace. The emperor was supposed to have a party, but he didn't, and he was assassinated. All these little children before that, before this story, since it had been put in the arena just because they were Christian. It was a scary time, and we should not romanticize it, nor deny the reality of how could people be mean like that. Their religion was a politicized religion because the emperor gave out all sorts of gifts and jobs. Christian community, some of them, these aristocrats, were also Christians. They had to hide the fact. In fact, the gentleman who was next to the emperor, he was a Christian, and his son was unhappy with life. I often see in our young children, our teenagers, a certain unhappiness. And uh, he was bored, and he, had, he was wealthy, he had everything, lived in a palace, but he was bored. And his parents gave him everything. It's always a mistake. Anyway, uh, to make a long story shorter, anyway, this, this man was also a young man, you know, he's becoming an adult, and he would learn about Christ. And he was very concerned that life itself was so boring. And as then finally, a friend of the family came, but they were slaves. They owned them. And they were Christians. And they started, they acted, they talked to him a little bit about Christianity. And they told him things like this Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is part of the Holy Trinity, three persons in one God. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross that we might be saved from the boredom of this life. 
Jesus Christ gives us his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist as a gift of life. They were very careful how they said these things. And you have to sort of look, read between the lines. But these were children. That such faith and beauty was put in the minds and hearts of these children. And every one of them died. But not without the Blessed Sacrament. So where did they go? Straight to heaven. In the church, I don't know of many children that were ever canonized. There, in Ireland, they have one little girl, Little Nell of Holy God, they called her. She never talked about God. She'd always say, Holy God. And she was not of age, you know, in the Roman church. It's not like our church. We give Holy Communion to children. The babies. They had to be of a certain age. And uh, we won't go into all that. And so anyway, she uh, wanted to go to communion. She begged her parents, well, why can't I believe? I believe Jesus Christ is in the Blessed Sacrament, body, blood, soul, divinity, and I want to receive him. So they went to the priest and they said to him, she knows the Christ is present in the Blessed Sacrament. So the priest says, well, we're going to give her communion. She was only three. So the priest said, you're going to receive Holy God this Sunday. So anyway, they went to Western Mass in Ireland, and she got her first Holy Communion. And she was kneeling, making prayers of thanksgiving. We have the prayers of thanksgiving publicly here. And some stay for them, some don't. And she was very long with her thanksgiving. The mother and father thought, well, she was unusually devout. And they went into the church, and she wasn't alive. She'd gone to heaven. And she was canonized. Three-year-old girl. Children, if they concentrate on God, they have a unique ability to develop a relationship with him. But sometimes they just get a headache. They don't concentrate on anything, actually. And we say, well, they're children. But we should not think that. Some children are very devout, and they know what they're doing. In this novel, there were many such children who died for Christ. What did they have to do to provide that they would live? All they had to say is the emperor was a god. And all the children knew the emperor was not a god. The audacity of a man to just think a thing like that. Very bad. So today in the gospel, we have the parable 
uh, the vineyard. We all work in this vineyard. And the most important message is to get people to the sacraments. That they will confess, like these little children, that in the Blessed Sacrament, there is Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It's the central monument of faith in our Catholic faith, is it not? It's the central monument. When I was uh, back east as a little boy, you know, Catholics were numerous there. We have very few Catholics here. In fact, we're in the most unpriest area of the United States. And uh, I used to love it in town because uh, of the ceremony in the church. And one of the things I loved was an American invention, 40 hours devotion. It first started in Philadelphia. And during that time, they would expose the Blessed Sacrament in the Roman Church in a monstrance or orsistorium. And we would go there and lots of priests would be there. And they would have a big procession through the town. And at certain points in the town, they'd stop on somebody's porch or something. And there would be benediction with a, a blessing with the Blessed Sacrament. It's not a Eastern custom. Easterners don't care for that because we never expose the Blessed Sacrament. We always keep it veiled because it's God. So you notice me at the altar when I'm going to carry the sacrament back to the preparation table to consume it. I put all the veils on it and carry it over there. It's so holy, we have to treat it with all reverence. And most holy things have to be veiled, hidden from prying eyes. And we would have this big procession. It was wonderful. And the priests would all come when I was a young priest. Uh, we would have 40 hours in the Slovak church. I was in the Slovak church. I was stationed there. And they would all come, and it was a great, great, great celebration. Then 40, the 40 hours were about the 40 hours that Jesus Christ stayed in the tomb before he rose again. And, of course, in our church, those 40 hours are a special fast time. From Good Friday to Holy Saturday evening, when we have the first Paschal liturgy, and we change the colors in the church. The priest changes from dark to light, and we we receive our first Paschal communion. It's a similarity in those things. I think two things. If we're charged of the vineyard, the grapes, and let's say the bread of the Holy Eucharist, 
We are to tend it and nurture it carefully. We are to bring other people to the knowledge of this so that they can gain the kingdom of heaven. Most of Christianity in this United States is a sham. They just believe what they want to believe. They don't follow the teaching of the early church. They don't follow the fathers. They don't have the blessed sacrament. That is not Christ's church. Christ is amongst us in the holy gifts and the holy Eucharist. I always try to be careful. As you see, I don't walk so good some days. And so I have one of those fellows that serve stay near me. I don't want to drop the chalice. I don't want to drop the gospel book. What I really want to do is when I have two monks in solemn vows, I'll ordain them to subdiaconate and they will be with me at the altar. These boys, they're not subdeacons, but they function as subdeacons. In some oriental churches, the little boys, after they're baptized, <laughs> ordained as subdeacons. Why? To assist the priest at the dangerous times. I am uh, I think children should be more tended to. They should be more schooled in the piety of the church, in the liturgy, and the sacraments. It's, we need more. I won't ask these little children, would they die for Christ? But maybe they would. Would you die for Christ? Would you die to protect the Blessed Sacrament like that little boy did, knowing it was sure death? Nobody says you have to do that. That has to come from your own heart and your own faith. The most important thing we have in the Catholic Church and in the Orthodox Church is the priesthood and the sacraments. Those sacraments of baptism and chrismation are preparatory for receiving the holy gifts, holy communion. The first three are made a Christian and surrounded with the grace like Adam and Eve. Next you're sealed and the priest says when he confirms you, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. These days there's other formulas, but they have, even the Western Church now is using that. It's very accurate. You're sealed to be a priestly person and receive the holy gifts, which you have to protect. Some of us, you know, we have valuable things in the house and we take insurance. In fact, this whole place is insured. It's very expensive. 
I have to pay it now. And uh, we have safes. And we go downtown, we get a safe at the bank. We put our precious gifts in there. So on the altar, we have the kivot, the tabernacle, and it's bronze. It's very valuable, but it's been beat up. I don't know if somebody shot at it or broke into it or what, but this people had this in their garage. So they asked me if I wanted it. So I said yes. So I took it to a jeweler. I had it polished up. And very fortunate for us, I had four little icons put on it of the steps from baptism to the time you were a monk. The steps are there on the four little icons at the corners of the doors. Very rare. And then I had the crown made for it. Because the most precious things we have are not in the safe in the bank, not hidden in your room, but in the tabernacle. That's our greatest treasure. How do we prepare ourselves to receive the holy gifts? Well, if we're in serious sin, we go to confession. Confess our sins to the priest, and he forgives us. People are not careful enough about confession. They're really preparing to receive the holy gifts. In some Orthodox churches, not in our church, that you cannot receive the holy gifts and we gotta to go to communion immediate confession immediately and then receive the holy gifts. That's never been our our uh, practice. But there's other ways to prepare for receiving the holy gifts into your into your body. There's the office of preparation in your prayer book. You can say the night before. There's frequent visits to the Blessed Sacrament, adoring in the Lord you're going to receive. There's fasting. It should be, we should fast before we go to Holy Communion because this food is not ordinary food. It's the body and blood of Christ. We should fast from sin, from marital relations, and all those things to be a very pure person that goes to Holy Communion. You matter you what you're doing is preparing the tabernacle to receive your Lord. And the liturgy of the church uh, where we consecrate the Eucharist is a preparation. The liturgy of the word is a preparation and a meditation before we come to the Eucharistic prayer to receive the Eucharist. Now, if I said to you, I try to tell you as best I can, but if I said to you, well, Elizabeth, the Queen of England, is going to be here next Sunday. 
Oh my God, you could all go get new clothes, the best bottle of perfume, get all dolled up. We'd meet her at the door with flowers, and there would be a whoop, big whoop de do. Christ is more important than the king or queen. He is our king. Christ is our only hope. Those who are so bored, so young, they don't realize that they're Christians. They have to be recatechized. They should be like those children I told you about, willing to die for their Lord. And when this one was carrying the Blessed Sacrament, Saint Stephen the Martyr on the Holy Doors over here, the uh, south door, he was carrying the Blessed Sacrament. He was a deacon. Often we have him with the Blessed Sacrament, a container in, his, in the icon. And he was martyred carrying the Blessed Sacrament to those who were going to be martyred. Still the Roman Empire. So you kids, you can think about the Roman Empire and the gladiators and the army and all that stuff and the great emperor and the big shows, the big parties. The most important party you come to is the Eucharist. When a couple get married, at least when I marry them, I tell them you must seal your covenant with each other by going to communion. Well, they don't always want to be married at a, at a liturgy. And they have to go, then they, what they do is they make their vows, and then they go the next day to communion. I don't like that. You should make your, seal your marriage, if you're going to get married, with the Holy Eucharist. Everything in the priest's life is sealed with the Holy Eucharist. My dear brothers and sisters, I contemplate a wondrous mystery that Jesus Christ, second person of the Blessed Trinity from all eternity, became a man. And he died and he rose again. But he did not leave us. That same risen Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity is in the communion when the priest consecrates it. It should not be neglected by lack of preparation. It should not be neglected by venerating it. It should not be neglected by the way we enter the church with bows and crosses. And talking is not good in church. You're supposed to be talking to someone else up here. I'll tell you one more story. And then we'll conclude this homily. I was in the seminary in Dunwoody. We had beautiful liturgies and beautiful vestments. It was before Vatican II, and the Western Church was still quite gorgeous. And uh, so one Sunday, and there were about 200 seminarians there. And... Uh, we were celebrating the, the Eucharist and going to Eucharist. These young men were all very devoted to the Eucharist. That's why they were there. They were going to be priests. Priest is the one who feeds 
the faithful and the body and blood of Christ. He must imitate Christ in his life. And we were taught that. A man came wandering into the church and he came down the main aisle. And uh, uh, he got up on the altar and laid down on the floor. And uh, we didn't do anything about it. It was toward the end of the liturgy, so they finished the liturgy, they gave the last blessing, and there was a cloister right next to that church. So the two deacons went and picked him up, and they took him out in the cloister, and they walked with him and talked with him. And he said to him, how you know? How are you doing? What, what's going on? He says, "My wife just died." Yes, I had to find a place to go that was holy. Because I miss her. I want to pray for her. So I came to the seminary, where God dwells. Especially in the Eucharist, I laid before my God. And grieved. We listened well. We took him in for a meal. And we promised him prayers. When times are tough. When you're despondent. When you're sad like a teenager. They get sad. Because they're going through different changes in their life. They don't understand them. But you will. Be patient. Live a pure life. Then great magnificent things will happen for you. Go to the church. Go in and be with the Lord. And never miss an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. In the liturgy, we say the Our Father. We say, give us this day our daily bread. I was in a meeting with Bishop George, and he says, you know, <clears throat> some of the priests, you know, they uh, neglect their daily liturgy or their prayers. Well, in the Eastern Church, we don't have really daily liturgy. We have Christmas and Easter holidays and Sunday always. And some priests do it every, every day. And he was talking about that. And he said, well, I don't think it's necessary. The bishop, he's the bishop. Here at the monastery, the days we don't have liturgy, we have communion. And I said to the bishop, the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. It says daily bread, doesn't it? Stay close to God so that your journey to heaven with the Eucharist in your heart and that grace and because of your Eucharistic practice you'll be wildly welcomed to the party of heaven. It's going to be great. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.